Well, welcome to the follow-up podcast. My name is Hayden. I am the worship director here at Arbor Church, and today I am joined by Allison McConey, our community care pastor, Michael Solis, our children's director, and Cliff Tatama, our interim pastor and our speaker from Sunday. If you joined us on Sunday, you are aware that we have started our new series. It is called All In. Um, Our tagline, Understanding Our Faith, is um, a series that we decided to start, um, something that we're excited about. It's a study of Romans 8. Um, It's a little bit of a um, return to our, what is it, Uh, exegetical study that we did with um, letters to a young church, where we went through First and Second Thessalonians, we decided we're going to take the uh, specific passage of Romans chapter eight, and we're just going to go verse by verse through it. So, um, Cliff had the honor of starting that out for us. What was your verses? Cliff? Verses one to four. One to four, and um, you kind of—it's funny. We we talked about what our next series was going to be. I threw out the idea of hey, let's do something a little bit more, um, not necessarily academic, but let's do something that's a little bit more of a challenge, a little bit more of, um, it might require some outside homework and a little bit of um, scripture that we might have to chew on. So I threw that idea out and I said, I don't know, maybe like something like Romans or Hebrews or something like that. And Cliff, you had already really had thought about Romans 8 for a while now. Um, and you had already had the idea of the, the series being something about all, um, cause there's all condemnation, all life, all creation. So, um, <clears throat> I imagine you were pretty excited to, to start this series out cause it's something you've been working on in the background for a little bit, right? Yes. Yep. All right. I was hoping for more than that, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're done. Yeah. That's good. That's the quickest. Thanks podcast. for joining us, everybody. Yeah. We'll yeah. see you Sunday. <laughs> that's about all it took. Uh, no, yeah. I was really excited about uh, about this uh, doing Romans chapter eight, and I think because I have uh, in the last few years have become have more and more felt like that's such an incredibly pivotal. Pivotable. I love it. Yeah. You played a lot of basketball. It's a a very important chapter, I think, in the entire Bible. If I was to pick a chapter, it might very well be this chapter uh, as far as import goes for me personally. So um, when we kind of talked about it, roundtabled it, and wound up with that, I thought, oh, this is going to be so good because I've wanted to do a deeper study personally in that, and I've wanted to really kind of get into it deeply. And so, uh, and actually when we talked about it, I thought it might be four weeks, but when I started going through it, uh, then I thought, no, it's going to be six. And then as I went through it a little deeper, I went, wow, no, really to do this right, I think it's going to be eight. So that's where we have wound up and, uh, I am excited about it. Yeah. And it's awesome that it's going to be eight weeks. It's easy to remember. We're doing Romans eight for eight weeks. Everyone will know where we're at. It's nice. Um, Romans is... among other books of the Bible is um, kind of falls into that territory of like, okay, if, if we go here, there's a lot of caveats to it, right? Like there's got, there's gotta be a lot of setup for it. There's gotta be a lot of research. Um, it's, it's a book that there's a whole semester long class for um, when you go to Bible college, typically on it. Cause it's got so much 
in it. And, um, you know, there's other classes that, that I took in Bible college where it was like first, second Timothy and Titus that all gets taught together as one class. Romans itself is, is a senior level class that you take and it's required before you graduate because it's got so much in it. So I know that for us, um, we are a little bit, um, maybe depleted isn't the right word, but we're a little bit, um, you know, we have other things going on. So I knew it was going to be kind of a challenge for us to take on such a big um, part of the Bible. But I'm really excited for for not only us, but the congregation to be able to go through something that is so formative. And um, it, it is going to be hard work, but it's going to be um, very transformative to, I think, a lot of us here at the church. So um, that that all being said, what was um, the general gist of your message on Sunday for people who haven't heard it before we get into the conversation of the message? <laughs> well, I was just say, you, you have to say for those who haven't heard it before, because of the four verses, there are some different ways you can go in that. And, uh, but I just really chose to, to stick with there is no condemnation. And uh, the next, very next thing Paul talks about is that we're free in Christ, and that's a result of no condemnation. But I think for, for me, as I was studying those four verses, and, and I thought about just kind of going, you know, uh, line by line and kind of explaining them, but I just felt like there's so many people who have a relationship with Jesus but live their lives feeling condemned. And, the work, and that really cheats the work he's done on the cross for us. And it's not what part of our faith is about. So when we're calling this chapter Understanding Our Faith, I think the most one of the most fundamental things to understand is the price has been paid, and uh, so that's where uh, that's where I tended to focus in the message. I'm curious if you have seen. I mean, by the time we're our age, right? <laughs> we have seen, seen a, a lot. lot, right? Have you seen people live under condemnation and? you've witnessed that? Uh, and what does that look like if somebody were uh, living under that weight? Yeah. Condemnation? Man, that's, Allison, that's a great question. And, and it, and it does, it takes on different, uh, different mantles, I'll, I'll call it. Um, one of the ways that I've seen people live under condemnation, and, and we've all seen that and people actually kind of feel like they're uh, being more humble, but they're always degrading themselves. And, you know, oh, I'm just not, I'm just, and I, I just, and I'm just, and that's not the Holy Spirit because uh, he says, no, 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 you've, we've addressed that already. There is no condemnation. And I'll give you another example. I know of a person that, um, that so dealt, uh, had an abortion earlier in life, has dealt with that. God's forgiven her. But for years, she just couldn't start to live under that freedom. Continue, the enemy continued to use that to degrade her, to make her feel less than. But Jesus has paid the price for that. There is no less than anymore. So then did you witness her living like a really small life and declining opportunities or leadership or serving or like growth because she just felt like she didn't deserve it? Or? Y- yes, exactly. Okay. And living in fear, what if people find out, right? Then they're going to know that I really am not, 
really had grown in so many different er- other areas of life and in, in spiritual maturity that people naturally would go, oh, you're so awesome. You, I, I want to hear more from you. I want to hear. And it'd always be a, 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 but what about if? And when I think when God finally broke through there, then all of a sudden there becomes a freedom in sharing that because I now know I am not condemned by God. So whether you choose to see me that way or not is up to you but I know who I am in Jesus. And then there's an incredible freedom that comes. And that's what I want to see us as believers experience. Right. Is that that is transformative, like to use yeah. your word. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it'd be interesting to talk about um, <clears throat> what, what no condemnation means, right? Because um, earlier in Romans, specifically chapter 6, I want to say it's the first verse of chapter 6 where Paul says... So should we continue on sinning since there's no, um, I should probably look it up, but should we continue on sinning since God, since Jesus has paid the price for us? And then you see the very um, strong, you know, by no means we should continue sinning even though it's been um, wiped away, right? It's been clean. So what does that mean in terms of um, our, I think maybe the way that we look at sin in our own lives, right? If Jesus has paid the price and there is no condemnation, how then should we react to sin in our life? Should we be, should there be this sense of guilt? Should there be this sense of, oh, I really shouldn't do that anymore? You know what I'm saying? Should, should the fact that we do not live under condemnation, should that change the way that we look at sin in our own life? I mean, the short answer, the short answer is yes, it should. Okay. Well, I'm shaking my head. Yeah, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, we got a um, contradiction. Yeah, yes, yes, it absolutely yeah. should. Uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it changes how we view sin. I mean, sin is still sin. So we have to be able to see it from that perspective. But I think that's where and why I wanted to differentiate in the message between condemnation and conviction. Because conviction is very healthy. Because when we're convicted, we recognize the sin and we go, oh my goodness, I, I should not have done that. Lord, forgive me for doing that. Conviction brings me to a place of wanting forgiveness and wanting healing in my relationship with God. If Adam and Eve had said, God, forgive us, we have, they wouldn't have been ashamed. They would have gotten past the shame. Let's put it that way. They would have gotten past the shame very quickly because God would, okay, you're forgiven. There's still going to be consequences, but you're forgiven. I'm not going to hold that against you anymore. And, and, and uh, the devil then takes that and wants to condemn us with it and keep us down. And that's the difference between the two. I think that's why Paul says, by no means, do, is, does it mean that we sin more because we know grace is going to abound because we know there is no condemnation? No. In fact, one of the translations I love is, is God forbid. In other words, of course we wouldn't because we're in relationship and because we understand what that cost, it's so valuable and that it's been given to us and we have the privilege of living in freedom without being bound by that because of what Jesus has done for us. So um, to me, that's how you get out of the chains of conviction and into the freedom, I mean, out of the chains of condemnation and into the freedom of conviction. I might maybe be opening up a can of worms with this question, but... uh, This is the podcast for it. uh, That's what the podcast is for. (laughs) Bring on the the worms out. Bring bring them out. Let's go fishing. Um, My... Well before what I would call my time, a family member of mine um, had become a Christian and felt like there was some issues within the Christian world 
that they were having a really hard time with, and I guess has since moved away from the faith. But this, what we're talking about right now, and especially in the sense of when we read uh, uh, 8.2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The thing there that they, and I've heard from other folks who maybe aren't Christians as well, what was like, so does that mean that if I choose to follow uh, Jesus that I can just, sin without any sense of recourse because he's already forgiven it, right? And in my own life, I've kind of come to learn, well, if you're in a relationship with someone, that's not much of a relationship if you just keep hurting them over and over again. Like, clearly that's what you're doing to Jesus if that's the case. But it doesn't take away from the cerebral conversation when you're like, but I'm still good to go, right? I can still continue on that way because it's already covered. And I think it was just, at least for this family member, a little too much for them to take on. And what, what would you say to that? You know, I would, I would say that if you're in a relationship, in a marriage relationship, and you stepped outside of that marriage relationship and had an, had an adulterous relationship, you were deeply sorry for it. Your spouse, spouse accepted you back, forgave you for doing that. Would you then go and and you desperately wanted that forgiveness and now you are free to re-engage with your spouse, but you would say, but you know what? You've already forgiven me so I can continue doing that and it shouldn't be a big deal. We'd all go, no, are you crazy? Are you crazy? The fact that you've been given forgiveness, you should live indebted for the rest of your life to your spouse for offering you that and re-engaging with you. And so that would be a, a poor analogy, but I hope bring it to the forefront. No, of course we wouldn't. It would be offensive to Jesus and would indicate that our relationship with him is at best extremely shallow. And and that's kind of the point, right? They were pretty young Christians understanding. And so, you know, from their perspective in that season of time, it was like, but why wouldn't I just go ahead and do those things any? <clears throat> excuse me, do those things anyway. I got really growly there for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of, especially because you're talking about a sense of maturity, right? In, in a, a married relationship, this is clearly a relationship that's walked out far enough to, there's commitments made, there's all kinds of things done this way. But I guess, especially in this case where there's a younger Christian where they're kind of going, why wouldn't I keep doing stuff? Yeah. It, because, <laughs> because if you understood what was done for you. Yep. If you truly, you can understand that right now. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. Um, as, a, as a believer, when you understand what Christ has actually done for you, then the response, here's the appropriate response. Why would you not have that kind of response? Well, the only reason I can think of that you would choose not to have that response is you don't understand the value. Yeah. Well, and I think what you're describing too, Michael, is how a lot of early or new Christians view Jesus, right, as a vehicle Mm. either to an afterlife or an avoidance of hell, right, which is very natural when you are first coming to faith of, oh, I would love to live in heaven when I'm dead, or I have no interest at all being in hell for the rest of my life. And then as the relationship and your maturity in Christ develops, it's an understanding of, oh, Life is just so much better with Jesus than without Jesus, and it's a relationship, and I see the sacrifice that it was done for me, and I appreciate that, but 
it's such a natural. I mean, that's how I was as a kid in in Sunday school of like, I don't want to go to hell. That sounds awful. Um, and Jesus was just the means to get away from hell or to be in heaven. Yeah, right? it's yeah. interesting that you're bringing that up point. because I feel like our 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 walk within the Christian faith has changed over the decades. Like when I was much younger, it used to be this very much well, heaven or hell, which way you want to go? Let's go to church. And so, what you're describing would make a lot of sense for yeah. people. It's like, yeah. well, if that's the case, let's just. You know, yeah. do yeah, all Jesus, the things. Jesus isn't a person at that point. He's just the 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 vehicle or the the, the load of transportation to get <laughs> to that that end goal. It's funny, even you know, there was someone that I was in a small group small group with a long time ago, and they had been a Christian for a long time, and they had said, um, you know, hell is such a motivation for me to evangelize to my friends and family, and I'm like, that's cool. But I would also love to see my friends' and family's lives change because life with Jesus right now on earth is so much better. And sure, that's a great motivator of I don't want to see my friends or family go to hell, but it's like, what about right now? Like, what about their lives right now? How much better could their lives be right now with Jesus versus, you know, nothing wrong with not wanting not wanting to see your your friends or family in hell, but there's a better life for them right now, so... Yeah, and I think that's why I love this series is because it it sets the underlying theology of our relationship with Christ. And so part of that is when we when we understand there is now therefore no condemnation that we go, "Whoa. Wow." And remember this is coming on the heels of Paul going, "I can't get it right. I I'm trying to live the way I'm supposed to, and I'm a Pharisee." I mean that guy. If anybody knew how to do it, he knew how to do it. What for? So you, so uh, chapter eight begins a little bit with a therefore, and so yeah. you pulled us back into chapter seven to understand what the therefore was there for, and what what version was that that you read? English Standard ESV. Oh, it was yeah ESV. Okay, yeah. It, was compelling. It was a compelling read. Oh, uh, 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 I'm sorry. Of chapter seven. Of chapter yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, that I used the message. Oh, okay. Yeah, as a paraphrase, because that brings the emotion out. It did. So much. Yeah. It did. That yeah. was a Eugene powerful. Peterson did a great job of that. Which is yeah, funny because I just pulled up the message for chapter eight, and it's ex- exactly what we were talking about with the law, right? Um, Eugene Peterson says um, those who enter into Christ. Um, no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. And I thought that's such a great way to wow. describe it because like the what they say, the law of life or sin and death, right, can be a little bit, maybe you're not sure what's going on, but the idea of literally living under this low-lying black cloud, like that's what you were living like before Jesus, right? Yeah, it's so good. Were you going to say more, Allison? I know I kind of cut you off. I'm sorry. No, I, I just had remembered that that point in the yeah. sermon as being really powerful. I love that translation. Mm-hmm. Um, I also was just thinking what a gracious God we're yeah. in relationship with because think of over the generations how many people have explored faith in him and have wondered out loud, like, really? Like, you're going to forgive me and I can, like, do all sorts of nasty things after you've forgiven me and you're still removing condemnation from me. Like there's this wonderment of 
what kind of free ride is this? You know, <laughs> like what kind of what kind of thing are we talking about here? And so God encounters and has encountered centuries worth of people exploring that concept and then coming into maturity and relationship with him and turning from that kind of like, hey, where's my hall pass to like, actually, Lord, show me how to please you. I love you and I want to be in a, a space with you where where I'm not sinning against you. Like instead of looking for the free ride yeah. or the hall pass, it's more like, no, actually show me if there's any wayward way that you want me to change from. Cause I so desire to live in that good space with you. And that's so, man, that's so right on Allison, because that's when now you've gone from understanding what it means that there's no condemnation to actually embracing yeah. conviction. Yeah. And yes, show me. Yes. Point out yes. where I blow it cuz I don't want that to come between us. Yes. And that can be, you know, we're we're acting like, oh, it's a free pass. No, not really. When you embrace conviction, it can really be penetrating. Yeah. It can be painful. Well, it requires us to live in right relationship with God, but then also right relationship with others. Yes. And so what does that look like? That is, yes. that's a fearsome place to be. Oh, it is. It is. Because <laughs> then I'll just, I'll just own it. Because, because when I do that, then God goes, yeah, well, this is how, this is how you responded to that. Do you see that now? Oh yeah, sorry God. God, that really I didn't I didn't even realize that. Right. Yeah, but that's not the end of it. Now just like you totally. said, now you need to go out there and you need to you need make to make it right. You need to make it right. Oh, wait a minute. The the first part wasn't was hard enough. Right. Just admitting that I actually was wrong when I thought I was right. But that was just between but that us was between, here. Yes, <laughs> but now you want me to go ah and and that's where it's you know, it's to uh, uh Michael you're you're that means you can just know when you actually embrace conviction, it's so healthy and it's so good, but sometimes it's so hard. It's oh, just for not sure. easy. For yeah. sure. And, and what you're talking about as far as, you know, there's with God and then with others, I think with that specific family member I'm talking about, I think what likely would have happened from what I understand of it is they felt as though they saw others who were Christians yeah. that have gone ahead of them who were, if you will, taking advantage Getting of a hall pass. Yeah. yeah. And yep. and it's always ever since I heard about that story with that family, I I've always been kind of like, well, it's it's a tough place to be, right? Because on one hand, they're kind of judging other people when they don't know fully where they're at, what their relationship is with God. Um and, but at the same time, there is a level of maturity as well, like we talked about, that is at play. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had people ask, you mean, so like if I'm in prison and I've done all these horrible crimes and then I confess faith in Christ and then I die the next minute, like I've, I don't have any time for good works or making things right or anything, that there's still no condemnation? And it's like, mm-hmm. Right. And that they can't believe, like today, yeah. you will be with me. That's right, thief on the cross. Yeah. yeah, but the sad part about that perspective is they're missing out on exactly what Hayden described. Right. Yes. Right. There is a whole life that that God had intended for them to live out in 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 really a sense of abundance mm-hmm. through Jesus that they just missed. Mm-hmm because of that perspective. I think there's a element of justice inside people that, I mean, God given justice, uh, 
where they're like, it's just not fair. I should pay for the bad things that I've done. And I should like, you're saying that those get uh, removed. That just doesn't seem fair, you know? Um, so, <laughs> but, but then we're also talking about, I mean, I know that as, as Arborites, we've gone over <laughs> what is, what does heaven look like? And now we're talking about, well, yes, you'll be with me in heaven, but we don't know what that chapter looks like when we get there, mm-hmm. right? What kind of crowns we're going to wear or what kind of... Right. So there's a whole nother piece to this puzzle that we just can't know until we go. You go and tell us later. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to... Uh, looks like in our conversation, we've gotten to about verse two so far. Um, I'd like to... Uh, Maybe just get like a little compare and contrast. Maybe if you guys have anything that pops out, but maybe what is what is living under the law of sin and death look like versus living under the law of the spirit of life? And in verse two, uh, Paul kind of just compares um, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Right. So if you guys can think of anything, you know, what is what is a life living under the law of sin and death look like versus where we are at now as we've been set free. So I I would suggest that living under the law of sin and death is understanding that God has an expectation of his creation being perfect. It's what he created us to be. And we have fallen woefully short of that. So he, so the Bible is written by, by the Holy spirit through men that says, here's all the laws you have to follow in order to be perfect. You're living under the law of sin and death. You cannot meet him. Paul's just talking about how the Pharisee of Pharisees, and he can't meet him, and it's driving him crazy. That So you're living under that black cloud, as opposed to saying, wow, that's been paid for. It's been redeemed. Redeemed means it's been paid for. You've taken it out of its captivity. And uh, now I get to live out from underneath that. Oh, it's just like it's a huge exhale to me of I don't have to do what I know I'm not capable of doing anyway and trying so hard and not getting there. And and it breaks my heart when I see people who profess to believe in Jesus but live under that law of sin and death. And and Paul's writing to Christians here. He's writing to Christians in Rome. He's given them a, a tremendous theological underpinning to their faith, and he's saying, many of you are living this way. You're living, you're doing like I was trying to do. Yeah. And it doesn't work. You've got to be free from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got nothing. The only, I was like praying through your question. <laughs> Ready for my quiz on the Prinky. spot. The only thing I had was bowling. <laughs> like when you have your bumpers out there yeah. and you're like trying to live between the margins yeah. of, you know, sin and death. And then. I think my brain freedom. went to a similar place. Um <laughs> With regard to uh, I'm Allison and I have so much in At common. At this point, it's now it's now a prophecy that God has shared with two yeah. of you. Well, yeah, forget so about anything I said. Paint, if you go for us. the nine pin, uh, uh, no, um, I, I was going to say probably because I'm working with kids so often. Um, I was thinking, you know, when we're talking about covenants and pre-Jesus, what people were living by, um, there, there were the original rules. And, and what I, the way I would describe this to, to the kids if I were in the class is, look, if we're going to play a game, and in this case, the game of life, it's kind of like, why do I keep falling into these issues or in some cases, death or what have you? It's like, no, well, at a certain point in time, God came and said, 
here are the rules you want to live by if you're wanting to move forward in this game of life. And what's kind of awesome is when it comes to this covenant, Jesus came and did away with those rules, flipped them on their head and said, these are the rules you're going to live by now. And these are the, and it's going to be so much better for you because you're going to be freed up to explore so much more of this game and really do what I've called you to do in this game. And that's to reach people. I, when I think of that, I think of, sorry, I think of, um, anytime I leave, uh, a sports game and, um, whether it's Seahawks or Mariners, whatever, there's usually some guy out there with a sign and a mega horn that's preaching. Um, and it's usually, uh, somewhat a little bit misled, right? Or it'll be a sign that say the wages of sin is death, right? And it's just calling people out for their, um, their sinful ways. And I think it's so funny because they take the first half of that verse from Romans where it says the wages of sin is death, you know, turn away from your wicked ways, but then doesn't share the second half of that verse where it says, but the gift from God is eternal life. Right. And that's where my mind goes is, yeah, this is a, a low line black cloud of you can do nothing to pay God back for how much you've sinned against him. But for whatever reason, because he loves us, we get this gift of eternal life, right? So that's kind of where my mind goes. Um, maybe because I went to a Seahawks game last week and I saw that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and I think it's and, – and the good news is that much better when contrasted with the bad news. Yes. Which is why I appreciated the fact that Paul started out with, here's the bad news. Yeah. It doesn't work. Now you're all yep. frustrated and uptight and everything else, but here's the good news. Here's the diagnosis, yeah. but... Yes. Yeah, here's the cure. Here's the treatment. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Yep. Um, I, I want to say verse 3 and 4 of, uh, obviously, Romans chapter 8 is such a... Um, it's such big news, and I feel like when you read it and you don't really look into it, it doesn't really shout off the page, but... I don't know why I'm thinking in analogies so much today, but I thought about um, my parents were really big fans of Dave Ramsey when I was a kid. And Dave Ramsey did this, uh, what was it, debt-free scream? Is that what it was? You guys you guys at all followed Dave Ramsey? Yep. I'm going to go on record saying no. Okay. This week, <laughs> this is not the week to admit. Did something happen? Okay. That's an we'll after podcast we'll conversation. Yeah. Arbor does not necessarily promote or. Oh, <laughs> no, I apologize. I don't know if anything. Hey, yeah. Parents promote it though. Yeah, my parents big. <laughs> Anyways, the like verse three and four to me is like a debt free scream, right? Like you see that God has basically set up through His Son that. Um, let me read it so I'm not totally out of it out of my element it says for God has done what the, what the law weakened by flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Um, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walked not accordingly, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Just the idea that whether you believe in original sin or not, we're all guilty of sinning in our life. And that has been wiped away by Jesus. And I think when you read through it, you're like, yeah, 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 this is the Bible I know, blah, blah, blah. But really, there's so much power in those two verses, right? Of before Jesus, 
there was all these things that we had to do and they didn't even come close to making up for what we had done. And now we have that we have this relationship with Jesus where all of our past sins have been forgiven because we're in relationship with Jesus. And I I would hate if someone were to read that just to keep moving on. They're like, okay, that's awesome. You know, I've heard that before. But it really is this monumental event in our lives that Jesus died on the cross. So I don't know if you guys have anything. Hard to, to add to that. I mean, yeah, yeah. no, is good job, Hayden. Yeah. Yes, what was that? It's foundational. It's yeah. the Sunday school yeah. answer. It's all about Jesus. Yeah. So your um your sermon was from one to four. Right. And you pulled a little bit back from seven. Yep. And then I did see you went ahead in Romans. I don't know if you went into. I think you did go a little bit into chapter eight, uh, another chunk. Do you remember what that was? Yeah. It was just uh, I forget. You what, previewed uh, for my week. What, oh. did I? A little bit, right? A little bit, yeah. But I actually went all the way up to verse 33, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Is it, it, it is God who justifies who is to condemn. So mm-hmm. later in the same chapter, he's just bringing that back again and saying, hey, uh, just, just get a clue here. It's yeah. God who justifies. And if God justifies, no one can condemn you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important because... Sometimes people live under the condemnation of other people. Mm-hmm. Or the enemy. Or the Which, enemy. Yeah, in our or the enemy devotional uses other people. Yeah. This yeah. morning we focused on opposition and yes. uh, Satan is the mm-hmm. opposition. Yes. And right. likes to condemn as yep. part of his MO. Yep. And if you've grown up where maybe you were the wild child in your family or you had or whatever the issue was, you know, <laughs> and you continue to have people remind you of that yeah. when you're you know, trying to walk with the faith, it, it's uh, it's not helpful. They keep condemning you and bringing you back. They may not may not even realize they're being used mm-hmm. by the enemy. But but it, that's what Paul's saying is is who can condemn? Yeah, no person can because God's justified you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious because when I saw it in your notes and I was putting together the slides, I saw the word elect, and I know that can be a buzzword because that obviously gets into the conversation of predestination, right? And, you know, Calvinism, Arminianism. Do you feel, because I know that you're always willing to have a conversation when someone brings that up, right? Because that is very much a buzzword. Um, Do you feel any hesitation of when you read that go, "Uh, maybe we'll pick a different translation just to see what (laughs) word they use there? (laughs) Well, Because that's my first instinct of like, I don't really, like, we can have the conversation. I don't really want to because it's just a circular one, but. Yeah, and it does depend on how, uh, how much time you have, right? Yeah. <laughs> and where you want to focus, yeah. you know? Uh, and I, I, I guess I look for those places of common ground yeah. and things like that, you know, and saying uh, uh, if, they aren't, if they aren't material to the faith, to accepting yeah. Christ, then let's, we can talk about them and have fun with them, but let's not, let's not get all tied up about them, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think when, when people say, well, well, I don't believe in predestination, I said, oh, so then you don't believe that God actually knows what's going to happen? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, but no, I believe God knows everything, so he must know what's going to happen. So if he yeah. knows what's going to happen, then it, did he predestine you to have that, or did he just know mm-hmm. about it ahead of time? Yeah. And with, like you said, we can get very circular with that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't see any reason to except to go, wow, God is truly sovereign. Yeah. And he is able to do what he wants. And mm-hmm. there are some mysteries that are better left mysteries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I was, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, I wonder if anyone will be like, so Cliff, what are your thoughts on 
Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on tulips? I forget who's teaching that when it comes to that, but we'll find out. Oh, man. Not Allison, right? Not it. Yeah. Not it. Not it. I'll tackle it. <laughs> Michael, it's just over to you. <laughs> uh, so Our resident five-point Calvinist, Michael. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, we have gone a little long, but I think that's going to be a theme for this series since we're uh, purposely tackling some heavy content. So um, is there anything you guys uh, would like to share before we sign off? Just one brief thing to set up next week. We're talking about setting our minds. Ooh. All right. Yeah. And who's what that who's sharing that one? Allison is. Oh, Allison. It's going to be awesome, you guys. Awesome. Two messages in three weeks. Man, these are berets. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Arbor oh, people. I know. I know, <laughs> I know man. Uh, <laughs> How did I get here? <laughs> How did I get here? <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening or watching the follow-up podcast, and we will see you guys next week. 